Welcome to the Just Building Co. podcast, where we help women and a few cool dudes face their fears, set goals, make game plans, and generally take their current circumstances by the balls so they can live a life they can't wait to get out of bed for every single day. All right. So today with me, I have Sonia Fayher, and she is all about happiness and you know, a side of organization, and I will just let her tell you what she does, and yeah. Go, go for it. All right. So I um, started an organizing business in 2010, space-wise organizing, when I was in the middle of my divorce and trying to figure out what I was going to do for a living. I didn't want to go back to being a high school English teacher, and I had opted out of college professorhood because I didn't want to have to move all over the country tra- chasing tenure-track jobs, so I had no idea what to do. And I was in a divorce recovery workshop um, and somebody, well, I got invited back to facilitate a divorce recovery workshop that I'd already taken. And somebody sent out an email asking for help organizing her papers. I was like, I'm great at organizing, hire me. And it was just one of those kind of universe things, you know, where Joseph Campbell says, when you follow your bliss, where every single door opened for it. I started working with other people getting divorced and other stay-at-home moms and did organizing for them for three years with no business card, no website. And so ended up specializing in kind of my people, which are moms and creatives and families and small business owners. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years. And I, in 2017, started training other professional organizers to be organizers and doing webinars for a company called Organizer Club, where I'm now working as the director of education, running their insider program. And what came out of all of that was that really when people were calling me up to organize their spaces, they were calling because they wanted to be happier. They wanted to be happier at home. They wanted to get along with their families better. They wanted to feel happier with their choices of how they spent money or what rules they were following about anything, right? How you keep stuff, how you get rid of stuff, how you manage your time or decide who to be around or whatever. And so the organizing work led to happiness groups for women, which I've been running since 2019. And um, that led me to write a gratitude journal because I was helping people establish gratitude practices in the group and I didn't like any of the journals out there. I felt like they asked the wrong questions. And so I wrote my own with 13 happiness tools in it and 90 days of undated pages. So you don't have to feel guilty if you skip one, but it's got guided prompts on all of the pages. And so I realized I had only one quarter's worth of that and I really should do three more volumes so that you'd have a whole year worth of happiness tools. So I'm working on the second one right now, and I'm getting ready to start teaching some happiness workshops. And I started a group on Facebook this summer called Women Learning How to Be Happier. And um, 
happy with er in uh, parentheticals, right? Because you might learn to be happy or you just might want to be happier than you are. So it's been this very odd journey of just, oh, what's right next? Oh, let me try that. Let me do that. And I love it. Because as you mentioned before, we even started recording. I don't like following rules either. I just, <laughs> I like going. <laughs> I love that so much because like you are like the living embodiment of what I keep telling everyone that I talk to. It's just put yourself out there. Just try something. Just say, hey, yeah, I can do that. And that, that was really one of the secrets when I first started my business was, you know, I just said, yeah. I can do that, even though I really didn't have any idea what I was doing. I didn't even have the I'm good at organizing. It was just like, yeah, I can do that, and I can do that, and I can do that, and I can do that. And then just, you know, we figure out what you really like, and it opens doors, and you go here, and you go there, and you never know where you're going to end up. And it's just like that journey is so amazing in and of itself. But I love that you ended up on the happiness bit. That is, and it's so, so needed right now, because I think we're all lacking it massively yes. <laughs> so, it's been a happiness challenging year for just about everybody i think no matter what your belief systems are it's just a hard time absolutely so your yeah. facebook group i'm i love also that you named it that because that's it's just what it is no cutesy little you know name of this is you know whatever and this is what we're doing but like this is it this is what we're doing i love that I, it, it's hard because there's all of this pressure all the time right in marketing to be clever and to name your tribe of people and, to, and it's just that's not who i am yeah. it's just not how i do it and i you know i have people saying well do something about choose happy choose, and i'm like no, because I don't believe that you can do that. I don't think it's that simple, right? In all of the years that I was suicidally depressed, believe me, if I could have just chosen to be happy, I would have, right? I just feel like that is so dismissive. And so instead, figuring out like, okay, maybe you're choosing to prioritize happiness in the same way you would choose to exercise or choose to do anything where you're working towards a goal and you're going to practice and give it some time and intention, but it's not so easy, right? Again, if I could just choose to be in great physical shape and be my perfect weight and eat perfectly healthy food, like, wouldn't that be fabulous? But we're human. Exactly. So that's not how it works. So yeah. I think it's, it's about learning. And my background was in teaching anyway. I, have a teaching certification for high school English. I love teenagers, and I um, have an MFA in poetry and creative writing. And so getting to teach without having to be in a system teaching, yeah. I got in trouble there. Like, I just never remember to put my roll sheet out in the hall on time. I wanted to, like, sit on top of the desk and have a chat with the kids. They came and hung out with me at lunch and after school. You know, that, I was teaching happiness even then, like that, how do we really honor the voices inside of us and listen to ourselves and figure out where we need some boundaries or, you know, just any of those things that ultimately end up impacting happiness. I was already teaching, but, you know, in public high school in Austin, Texas, that was not the curriculum. That wasn't wasn't on the state test. Education, knowledge, and skills, no, not on the test. 
That's all the teachers that I know that my husband was an English teacher, actually high school English teacher for a long time. And that was his biggest problem was that you have to teach towards this test. And it's not like actually teaching anything. <laughs> and it's just well, because it's not teaching people how to think for themselves, right? right? You're exactly. following a formula. You've got to answer in a certain way. And that I just feel like so much of school ends up being about raising good little soldiers or good little employees, which is why working with like solopreneurs and small business owners and what you're doing, you know, I think what a whole lot of us are doing in choosing that path is saying, I'm not putting my head down. I'm not subscribing to the belief that I just have to get through that. This is just life and what everybody has to do. And I'm going to go be miserable however many hours a day because I need a paycheck and insurance. Yep. You know, it's a diff, it's subscribing to a different worldview and saying, I'm not following these rules that I've been told I'm supposed to follow. Right. It's scary, but it's kind of half the fun, right? right. <laughs> not knowing where it's going to come from and like making, you have to make it happen. You don't have a choice. There's no security. There's no safety net it's like I do this or I, I you know I have to go back to that and I'm not going back to that so right what did you do before you started your business funny story is that I've only very very minimally actually worked in like the real world I uh, didn't have a real job until I was 18 I worked I just babysat you know whatever just had money under the table then I got a job at a pizza place and then I got a job in college calling people asking for money and then I worked at hotels for two years at the front desk and then I worked at a tv station where I was like an administrative assistant slash producer for a year and a half and then I got pregnant and then I never went back and then I got into debt and then I started my business so I've never really like honestly less than five years of my life was working in a real job but there have been slow moments in business now that I've been like, oh, wouldn't it just be easier if I went back and, you know, just got a real job, didn't have to think about it, didn't have to worry about it. And I've applied and been offered jobs. And then I'm always like, no, this is not for me. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so then I always say no. And then I go back to making it happen because that's the only way to make it, you know. Well, and happen. what you were saying of, you know, oh, I know how to do that. I know how to do that. Like that has been so much about of the way my business evolved. I've offered things I wouldn't have thought about offering, yeah, but exactly. a client calls me up and says, hey, can you, do you help with meal planning? Like, can you do systems for that? Yeah, I, I could do that. Like, you yeah. know, like, do you, <laughs> you know, can you help me with time management? Do you organize time? yeah, I could do that, you know, yeah. and I ended up doing remodel planning, like, because I'm in people's closets and kitchens and know what all of the limitations of the storage are, and, you know, the architects and the cabinet builders and the interior designers all have their own angle, right, whether it's right. the aesthetics or the bells and whistles or whatever it is, and I am all about the function, which I guess goes back to how I named my happiness group, right? It's yeah. about the function. Like, let's just do the, I'm a Capricorn. Let's do the practical thing. Here it is. <laughs> and so um, I help people design their remodels. I'll review their blueprints and do whatever. I'm like, 
yeah, you don't want that. And your four-year-old isn't going to be able to reach that. And so you're going to be having to do all of that. Or your four-year-old is going to be able to open this microwave with hot soup in it that somebody has told you to put in the kitchen island. Let's think about the kind of ramifications of that choice. And so it's how, you know, like, how can we make it functional and beautiful? Um, but I never would have thought that that was a service that I would offer when I started. Right. It's so I, th I think that's, you know, one of the glories of being a business owner is I can do that. All right. Yeah, let's do I'll try that. If I don't like it, I won't ever put it as a service on my website. And right. the next person that asks, I will say, no, I do not do that. <laughs> I love that. I also really needed you when my kids were little because my oldest son put his jeans into the microwave while I was in the shower and caught them on fire because it was too low and I didn't think about it. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that's so much of what it's about. And I was um, actually while I was doing that organizing, I was an attachment parenting leader for the South Austin Attachment Parenting Chapter. And so all of the guest speakers that we were bringing in, all of these parenting experts and, and child development experts were saying the things that have underscored my work with families, which is control the environment, not the child, right? Rather yeah. than having to say no over and over and over again, you know what? When you put food in the pantry, don't put the candy and cookies where they can see them and where they're reminded of them and they you're in a fight. Don't put the paint and the Sharpies where they can reach them without asking it for you, right? Like, it, You have no idea how many of my life experiences you just described. My <laughs> 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 son who set his pants on fire also was in his room like the gate was there and I was painting on the wall, remembered that I had a cake in the oven, ran downstairs because it was burning and just left it because he's on the other side of the gate, you know, like whatever come back and he has painted all over the wall with black paint because he climbed over and just got into it while I was gone for two minutes. Right. But yeah, everything that you just described has happened. I will <laughs> say my clients very frequently are saying, why didn't I know that? That's such common sense. Like it's not, it's not that I'm like this revolutionary genius. It's okay. Let's just, let's look at this practically. Right. But because I've encountered it so many times or because we did it at home, because my kid too, right after we bought that stupid Ikea easel that everybody has, right, which somehow taught my son that you can draw or paint on vertical surfaces, not just on a paper on a table. And so we had, this was before I was an organizer, but we had instances where he drew on the back of my couch with a Sharpie. He painted on the wall that I was trying to paint because I walked away just like you did. And then we had to have conversations about like, why did you do that? What was happening in that situation? And what it was is what we all do as moms, especially when they're little, but I find it happens even now of you're busy with something and you're trying to work on it and you're trying to keep them occupied. And five more minutes, five more minutes, which feels like 50 years to them, right? And so ultimately, what he was doing was saying, I want attention. Could you just stop doing that and pay attention to me? Yeah. And so the conversation we had was like, are you getting attention right now? The couch is getting attention. 
the wall is getting attention. You didn't actually get what you wanted yeah. from doing this thing. So through those things we learned, like the code word that cut through everything was, Mama, I want attention. Right? He could be asking for anything and I'd be doing the five minute, five minute, whatever. Yeah. And if he said that, it was like, oh, I now, this minute, I need to come into this moment and help with that thing and stop all of this other stuff. It's incredible. And I think it was the beginning of real, like, mindfulness practice for me. I have done a lot in the last 10 years to cultivate that, done a lot of meditation instruction and, like, a week-long silent retreat and, you know, all sorts of training. But that, Mom, I Want Some Attention, was the first thing in my life ever that was super effective and calling me to the present moment of just, okay, be right here, pay attention to this. Yeah. And that's really, it's really hard when you're, you know, like multi-passionate, you have lots of things that you want to do and you want to, you want to be there with your kids, but you also have this thing that needs to get done. And if you have clients, you have to promise them something, but yeah, yeah. that pulling you back in, that's really interesting. I wish that I had thought of that too. Well, and I think, I mean, the, the other piece of the happiness work, a lot of the people that come to my groups, you know, the small support and accountability groups where we'll meet over six months or nine months or a year and really take a journey together with six to eight people and we're doing a topic a month and really like, okay, this is your year. You're going to learn how to be happier. Let's do this. Those folks so often are moms or recent empty empty nesters you know people Mm -hmm. 40s to early 60s maybe who have spent so much attention time and attention either on their kids or on their work that they can't remember what makes them happy or what made them happy in a different phase of their life isn't true anymore and they haven't had time to really think about what makes me happy now so like we'll do a meeting one of my months is on play and fun and it's astounding how few women can I have people make a playlist with 50 fun things on it I started doing it actually when I was writing a parenting blog when my son was really little but 50 fun things of just stopping and thinking about all right not what I think should be fun not what used to be fun for me not what anybody else thinks is fun but What do I like to do? Which ultimately ends up not only being a great tool, like you've got your list, okay, here, what do I do? But is a great way of getting to know yourself. Like, oh, I like to crochet and I like to sit out in the garden and I like to read. And I also like to, you know, like, am I total adrenaline junkie? And so get me on a whitewater raft or on a zip line or on a, the next thing I want to do is hang gliding on that list, right? But really what prompted me to start doing that was the first time my now ex-husband, but my husband then, you know, like was brave enough to take our son for a while, like a number of hours when he was little, I had no idea what to do with myself, right? I was so tired and so burnt out and, um, had this fantasy of time to myself and they left and I didn't want to lie down to read because I was afraid I'd fall asleep. Yeah. You know, you waste the time, right? 
Right. I didn't know where to go. I didn't, you know, I ended up trimming hedges out in the yard. Like my great three hour break was like yard maintenance. Yeah, I mean, cool. I was outside and I actually like gardening, but, but. that is not <laughs> what that was for. Right. right. <laughs> but I couldn't think far enough out to like, I don't know, plan a movie and a drink with a friend or do anything. And so that's what both the organizing and the happiness work have been about. It's like, how do you create some space for yourself and who you are and what you want to do, which is the same thing, I think, as creating your own business, right? It's Absolutely. how do we offer that? Yeah, that's, that is so in line with what I keep telling women over and over and over again is don't put off what, what you think is fun. Don't put off what excites you. Don't Put it off until later because by the time you get there, you will not remember what it is that you like doing. You, you know, I'll wait till the kids are gone. You know how many years that actually is when you put it all together? Like I have three kids. I've already been a parent for 17 years. I have at least four more before my youngest is, you know, graduating and leaving. That's 21 years of my life where I'm just sitting around and being somebody's mom, which is great. I love being a mom, but I'm still me. I'm still a woman. I still have, you know, things that excite me and I want to do in my life. Take your kids with you or get a babysitter or whatever, but like incorporate the fun now because how many years are you wasting not living a real life just because, you know, whatever. You don't have a guaranteed future either. You don't know. You know what's people get in car accidents and they get cancer and Stuff happens, and our bodies just don't do what they did, right? Even when I was 23, I remember on one of my first dates with my son's dad, like, we went out to a park, and we were swinging, and I jumped off the swing. I was 23. I'm 49. I'm going to be 50 this year. At 23, I jumped off that swing, you know, the rush of flying through the air, which is one that I love, the landing oh my goodness, like my joints, my, I could, it did not feel like it did when I was 10 or seven or whatever. And so if we put off stuff for so long, those things that we thought would be fun aren't even an option anymore. Right. I get vertigo now. I can't even do a swing anymore. (laughs) So (laughs) I get motion sickness like crazy. We went jet skiing this summer. I love going back. Somehow being on a jet ski Gave me motion sickness. Huh. It was so yeah, sad. You put it, I mean, if you didn't jet ski for 20 years because you were waiting until your kids were grown or whatever, like by the time you get there, you can't do it anymore. Yeah. It, it's so, like, life is so short. And as far as we know, we only have one. I mean, reincarnation could possibly be a thing. I don't know. But if it isn't, you only have one life. And I mean, Right? Even if it is, I only have one life as Sonia Fahir. I only have one life in this incarnation doing these things with the people that are a part of my life and my skill set and my desires. And we just don't know how long we've got. Yeah. You know, none of us could have predicted that we would be wearing masks this year and not able to hug each other or go out to a restaurant or whatever, you know, I think that that's been a call, certainly, like a wake-up call, but it's why this group 
I started it in mid-May because it was, we needed it so desperately, you know, and people are always saying like, this is the first thing I look at in the day, or I'm not looking at anything else on Facebook because there's landmines everywhere, but I can come here and get a boost or whatever. But it's as much a boost for me as any of the people that have joined because I wake up in the morning, you know, I've got a gratitude prompt scheduled for six o'clock every morning. I wake up way later than that. And um, there's already 30 or so notifications on my phone with stuff that people have put in that they're grateful for. Like, what? And it just like boosts you too. Like it boosts them, it boosts you, it boosts everybody. That's amazing. amazing. I love that. Well, being in a culture of gratitude or a culture of people that are, you know, like, asking questions about who they are and what they want. Mm-hmm. Powerful stuff, I think. It really is. It really is. Also, I want to revisit your gratitude journal that you created because you couldn't find anything else. Let me see. I know I've got one on some shelf. Let me grab one. I can show you. So this one is called Space for Gratitude. I'm, the next volume will be Space for Happiness. But so... I was using one that had questions in the morning and questions at night, and I followed that format. But the questions were asking stuff like, how could you have made today even better? You know? And it was this one-up thing all of the time of not being in this moment and, like, stopping and really being grateful for what had transpired in your day. And so... I wrote questions like my morning questions are today I'm looking forward to because in happiness research, the anticipation of a thing is often where we feel happier than doing the thing itself. Right. So thinking about what am I, what do I have to look forward to today? Which honestly I can say in COVID has been the hardest question to answer on this sheet for me and some of the folks in my group have said that's a challenge for them as well because it's like am I gonna say again you know like having coffee and breakfast outside am I gonna say again because the days just all kind of run into each other right but even if I don't have a ready answer stopping to think about that is a prompt to remind me I need to put some things in my day that I'm looking forward to my, you know, my answer to that today was getting to come be on this podcast with you. I was looking forward to that. So I asked that in the morning and then goals and intentions for today. So that self-discipline piece, that what do I want to accomplish piece. And then I've got a quote for each day in the middle of it. And then at night, I felt happiest today when, and so you're looking back, diversions from what I intended, which I think gives us a real place to Sometimes it's a great diversion. It's a super productive. I went down the rabbit hole on this thing that I was working on, and I did that all day, and I didn't do any of the other things. And other times it's like started scrolling Facebook. I was playing Blockdoku on my phone. I binge-watched blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that we can start seeing patterns of what gets in the way of what we intend you know, where are we interrupting ourselves? And those often end up being the places that we're really beating ourselves up. You know, so that section for me is a place of real growth and learning. And then I'm grateful for 
and looking back at the day and plans for tomorrow and then a little place where you can just I don't know if you can see this but where you can say I am feeling and then you can circle your little happy face or neutral or sad face or whatever and so um, there's a week of those and then a happiness tool once a week where it's you know two or three pages of answering some questions and so the first happiness tool is about bookmarking happiness which I think is one of the like most valuable and another mindfulness skill of, okay, how do we bring ourselves back to the present moment? But in the same way that you would bookmark a page in a book because you wanted to be able to go back and find a quote or see where you were and start from there, bookmarking happiness is just taking that extra second or few seconds when something good is happening to notice that something good is happening, to savor it in the moment so that we can revisit it later. And the more that we keep cultivating that mindfulness one and gratitude two is we start changing the way our brains work. Like positive psychology has figured out we can rewire our brains and build new neural pathways so that we really can change our happiness levels, which certainly wasn't something they knew when I was growing up. You know, it was like, this whole set point of, oh, well, if you're just a sad person, you're going to stay a sad person. Yeah. Felt so hopeless. What you described reminds me very much of when we first moved to this area. So I did not grow up in Northwest Ohio, but my husband did. And actually, when we got married, I made him promise that we would never live here. But we do. <laughs> so, 17, well, huh? actually, 20, this is our 20th year, 17th year in this house. And for probably the first eight or nine, I was miserable. And that was a big contributor to why I got into debt because I was bored, I was unhappy, lots of those, you know, all of that. And there came a point where like I was praying about it and God's like, until you learn to be content here, you are not going anywhere else. Like you have to figure this out. And so I tried to just find little things around here to be thankful for because it's flat as a pancake. And I grew up in a very hilly area. So like you can literally see for 20 miles from my house. And I'm like, I hate it here. It's boring. There's nothing. It's just corn. I hate it here. And then I was outside one night and noticed how big the sky is at night and how like every single night you can see the Milky Way. And as long as there's no clouds, of course, but like, you know, it's a big, gorgeous sky, like nothing I've ever seen in this part of the country. You have to like go out to the desert to see skies like this. And so that was the first thing that I was just like, oh, I really like that about here. And then we went on a trip out West, which I love out West. I love the desert. I love the mountains, but there you know, it might take you an hour to get 30 miles just because of the way the roads are. And here, it's so flat that if, if you're 10 miles away, it takes me just under 10 minutes to get to you. So then I was like, I miss when miles equal minutes. Like, I love that. Like, it's, you know, straight and easy to get to and no problem. So it's just those little things that I just started noticing and being grateful for that now I'm happy to come home and I'm happy that we're here and... It took me a long time to get there, though, but it, it's just what you're describing. It's just finding those little things that change the way you think about it. Well, so, and maybe you write that whole question, like, is the glass half empty or half full? And I really like the reframe of, like, one, it's refillable. 
So it's not staying at a particular point anyway. But even if it is, that glass analogy is powerful because it's not that it's any different. It's how we're looking at it. It's different. And so I think that people that are doing the whole choose happy thing are saying, well, if you'll just look at the glasses half full, you know, things will be so different. But that takes some practice, just like you're saying of like really setting an intention of, wait a minute, what do I like? How can I stop being miserable? How can I find the one good thing in this situation? And for me, kind of happened accidentally. The year that I was getting divorced, my, I started reading The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin and had to. I had a parenting blog called Mama True because my son's middle name is True. And I had committed to writing about happiness every single day that year. And three weeks into the year, my husband said he wanted a divorce. And three months into the year, it turned out he'd been having an affair since the previous summer. And I still managed to write over 300 blog posts that year about happiness. Like, how can I be happy in this moment? What is it that happened today that I can be grateful for? Because it was one of those places where I had this little kid, this three-year-old kid, and I needed to show up. And certainly there were plenty of days where I was crying and trying not to cry in front of him, and he would come wipe my face or, you know, oh, mama this, oh, mama that, where I was having to reassure him, like, hey, even when I'm sad, I'm still the mom. You don't have to take care of me. And we, everybody's sad sometimes. So normalizing what those emotions were. But on the other hand, just looking around at like, what have I got? What is there? You know, that I thought I had to sell my house. I ended up being able to stay in my house. I ended up starting my organizing business. But because I was writing about happiness every day and I had the focus of, I've made this commitment and I need to have one thing that I can feel like I've accomplished every day. That year I rewired my brain. I also was in Al-Anon six days a week and learning how to meditate and in the divorce recovery workshop. It was just like, I was desperate for any tool I could get my hand on. And it, what I had discovered is, you know, therapy and medication, both of which I've done and both of which I, you know, can say great things about. They helped me a lot. Um, But there is some point for me where talking about how I got that way or why I felt so sad or what the challenges were wasn't changing anything. I needed a new set of tools for how to do it differently. And that rewiring of the brain, just starting with, okay, what, what can I look at that's good? Where is the glass half full or third full or whatever? Powerful stuff. Yeah. So most of my listeners are women, generally speaking. There are a few guys that I know what listen, but um, what is your best tip for getting started down this path of, you know, they're just not happy. They feel like they don't even know where to start. Like where, where do they start? I think it is what we were just talking about of start with a gratitude practice. So the one that I am running a challenge that I'm running with my happiness group right now, my small membership happiness group, not the big Facebook group is we're doing a 21 day 
challenge. It's from Sean Acor, who is a positive psychologist, who's great. His focus actually is a whole lot on the business world. And so um, for people that are business owners, reading some of his work is really valuable or looking him up on a podcast. But this challenge is 21 days, three things a day, three new things every single day that you're grateful for and why. So you can just pull out a journal um, or if you do notes with your thing and you want the sheet that I created for it as a tracker, I'm happy to send it to you. But ultimately you are sitting down and writing, you know, like I am grateful for the rain because it has been so crazy hot I couldn't breathe, you know? Like it doesn't have to be esoteric big stuff, anything. Like I am grateful for this really comfy pair of pants that I am wearing right now and that it's cool enough outside that I can wear my cozy clothes now, right? But that aspect, 21 days of scanning for the positive is enough to start that rewiring, to get your brain to learn how to scan for the positive. Because we evolutionarily are programmed to scan for threat, to scan for the negative, right? Like our reptilian brain is looking for danger and what we need to be on the watch for. My mom very much trained my sister and I to be anxious, be worried. Like what if we were five minutes getting late, you know, walking up through the valley or whatever, she was calling hospitals and calling neighbors. It was always, what can I worry about, you know, as opposed to I'll think about that later, we'll worry about that later. And that's how we're trained to be, be vigilant, be worried, be anxious, you know, that's what the movie is about. it to my daughter last night. Because <laughs> she's going to start driving on her own soon, and she comes home from work at 10 o'clock, and I'm like, you watch for people who are weird, you don't come home if somebody's following you, you go somewhere else to a gas station and call me, and I'm like, teaching her to be afraid. Oh, well, but, but you're also teaching her relevant life skills, right? Because life okay. is dangerous, so... It's not, and I think that's where happiness stuff gets so twisted into toxic positivity or like, oh, we're just going to look at the good stuff and ignore yeah. really negative things. No, yeah, like when you're driving, there are, there are things that you should <laughs> know how to do, but there is a difference between making plans for, you know, you should leave a five to ten minute buffer to get someplace so you're not in a hurry and you're not putting yourself or others in danger. All of that stuff, like then that can be something that's on your gratitude list of like, I'm grateful that I have this habit or I'm grateful that I managed to do this today because I don't manage to do it on a lot of days, right? Yeah. We start where we are. And again, just giving ourselves permission to be exactly who we are and to be human and not get it right all the time. Like, that's another great place to begin, but I think that's a lot harder than just writing three things down that you're grateful for. Or if you don't want to write it, do it while you're brushing your teeth in the morning or at night. Do it over dinner with your family. Like pick a time every day where you're making it a practice of just 
what are my three good things? In the same way that families will do like the rose and thorn practice every day, like what was my best, what was my worst thing? Instead of looking at the worst, like what are three good things, three things I'm grateful for today? So I would start there. That's a good, yeah. I like the idea of doing it with your family too. I mean, the gratitude, writing it down is very powerful, but then you're teaching your kids along the way of, and they're going to be like, oh, this is so dumb, but they're going to appreciate it. And well, it another exercise, yeah, another exercise that I love for that is a gratitude jar where you just have little strips of paper and as a practice over family dinner or I don't like to add anything in the morning before people are trying to go to school because I am so not a morning person, but some people might like to do it at that time. But at some point during the day, you write a gratitude on the gratitude sheet, you put it in your little jar, and then on Thanksgiving or New Year's or something like that, you can pull it out and read some things that you've been grateful for that year. That one's a really nice one, too. I, it's kind of like the bookmarking happiness of just remembering all of those good things. I like that. Well, I thank you so much for being here with me today. And where can, like, where do I send people for your, like, your Facebook group, your website, all that stuff? Tell me where, where it's the best place to get you. All right. So the happiness group is women. If you just type in women learning how to be happy, that is the name of the group. So facebook.com slash women learning how to be happy. Uh, anybody, any women can join that. And um, I, my website for organizing and happiness groups is spacewiseorganizing.com. And on both of those, people will be able to find upcoming things I'm doing. I'm teaching a workshop in October on anxiety and stress management. I did a poll in the happier group to see what people wanted the most. And that one, like, got the <laughs> highest rankings by far because I think it's just such a stressful time. But that's kind of what I was saying before of, you know, it's not that we don't say pull over and make the phone call from the gas station because bad stuff is happening. Acknowledging what we're anxious about and having a plan for that is just as important as having the gratitude practice, I think. Absolutely true. Well, thank you again for being here with me. And uh, yeah, so I'll just cut it there, but I would love you to come back and do another one with me just about organizing because, sure. I think, you know, women have so much, you know, moms specifically. I know. Thank you for listening to the Just Boldly Go podcast. You can check out all we've got going on over at justboldlygo.com. And uh, you can check out my book, Mom Versus Debt, How I Paid Off $64,000 in Credit Card Debt in Under Three Years Without Becoming a Stripper at momversusdebt.com. Get ready.